Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and ushers, I'm going to let you have a seat. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he starts out in verse number 1, chapter 1, verse 4, and this is just the beginning point. I thank God, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. If you'll notice, everything up to this point is a, a semicolon at the end of verse 4, a semicolon at the end of verse 5, and uh, then a colon at the end of verse number 6. So he's telling them, it's a continuation in thought, grammatically. He was, like, he was telling them, and this is the letter to the church at Corinth that him and Sosthenes wrote. And he said, um, I just want to tell you that when I, when I thank God for you, I thank God that you have been enriched. I thank God that you have all utterance, that you have a lot of knowledge, and that your testimony of Christ is being confirmed in you. Look at verse number seven. So that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's telling them when he gets to this point, you are a very gifted church. You have a lot of talent. You have a lot of things going for you in your what you bring to the table as far as everything God has done for you. But the church at Corinth had the same problem that you and I have. They lived in a very depraved surrounding in the city of Corinth. The city of Corinth was so much of a depraved city, I think that I could liken uh, the city of Corinth to that of the city of New Orleans. Um, if you uh, have ever been to the city of New Orleans, especially during the height of its Mardi Gras season, um, then, then you will understand what I'm talking about. It was a very wicked, wicked city. And he was telling them that in the midst of a very wicked city, you have a lot of things to bring to the table. God's enriched you. God has given to you. But, but being that kind of Christian in that kind of city and that kind of surroundings is starting to impact the church. And everybody knows that the church at Corinth was not a church to be emulated because they let the darkness of Corinth get into the church. In fact, they were so okay with the darkness that they truly thought that it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Look at all that God has given us and all the gifts that we have. And so where their gifts were high, their enrichment was high, Paul was telling, when I think about you, I, I, you, you, you don't come behind anybody. Nobody can rival you in your gifts. However, Inside the church, the darkness started to infiltrate the church. Would you, would you just kind of glance through in, in verse number 10? He starts off right at the bat. He says this about the house of Chloe uh, in verse number 10. I beseech you, brethren, by the names of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no division among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. So the house of Chloe was like, hey, Paul, you need to know. 
We, we may be a very gifted church, and we may have a lot of things going for us, but we got problems. And isn't it not amazing that he started out by addressing the very first problem was contention, and then there was this arms race for who are we? Who do we give credit for? Because he talks about Paul. He talks about Apollos there in verse number 12 and 13. I'm just walking you through what this church had become. Drop down, if you will, uh, to uh, verse number, chapter number 5. And in chapter number 5, he now talks about wickedness and immorality. In fact, the church had become okay with all of this, that they truly, verse number 2, look at it, 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 2, and ye are puffed up. And have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Now, I'm laying the foundation to let you know that here is a church that was a great church when it came to its gifts and it came to its ability, but it started to be impacted by the darkness of the world around them. And all of a sudden, the, the badness, if I could put it this way, and I'm trying to be very general tonight, uh, but the badness had come into the church to where when they walked through the door, they started being okay. They started being okay with this kind of thing coming into the church. We go to chapter 6, if you will. We go to chapter 6, and we come all the way to the end of chapter number 6, and he tells them, look, flee fornication, verse 18, every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Look at this. Therefore, glorify God in your what? Body and in your spirit, which are God's. Then he comes to chapter 7, and this is where we're going to be tonight. He comes to chapter 7, and he begins the chapter on the heels of what he just said about the fact, flee fornication. Get away from this type of lifestyle. This type of lifestyle is acceptable in the world, but it should not be acceptable inside the house of God and in the life of a Christian. Can I get an amen on that one? So understand that now he's telling us, look, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Now, it doesn't mean the not shaking of the hand. What it means is the expression of desires that just shouldn't be there for the opposite gender except in the, inside the matrimony, uh, bounds of matrimony. So then we come to, we walk through this chapter. Look at verse 8. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. There was a segment on the inside of this church, and this is the segment I want to deal with tonight. And, and right now, if the devil is taking a shot at our church, he is taking a shot to the unmarried. I want you to let that sink in. The unmarried. The devil is after the unmarried. You say, Pastor, how do I know if that's me? Are you married? <laughs> if you are unmarried. I, I, I just simply want to preach on this subject tonight. To the unmarried, I say, dot, dot, dot. 
get married. Okay, glad you came, so let's go ahead and to the unmarried, I say. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 was very emphatic about the unmarried. I, I can hear the married couples. Now, if you would have told me what the title was tonight, we could have stayed home and live streamed this one. Amen. But, but inside the unmarried world, unmarried people, it doesn't matter what age you are, unmarried people pay close attention because unmarried people, God is very specific about how you are to live your life right now. We do not live in an ambiguous, with an ambiguous God that he doesn't, he just, you know, I, I just hope y'all get this thing figured out and when you get married, I can talk to you about when you're married. But up until then, you're on your own. That is not true. And by the way, if you are engaged, you still are unmarried. Does everyone understand that? You attend a conservative Baptist church, Bible-believing Baptist church, that when it says it's good for a man not to touch a woman in that context of marriage, guess what? Engagement is not marriage. Being boyfriend and girlfriend is not marriage. That's why I'm not, he doesn't talk about to the dating, I say, to the engaged, I say, it's this. You're either married or you are unmarried. Now, whenever you start preaching with a very centralized, lasered focus on this, all the unmarried people in the auditorium go, man, man, we're getting ready to get it, and we didn't even do anything. We just woke up today wanting to enjoy life. But I think at times, somebody needs to stop and look at the unmarried people and just tell them, God has a way you're supposed to live. Can we look at it real quick in context of his word? We're going to start in verse 25, and again, we're going to read in context. Now, concerning virgins, 1 Corinthians 7, 25, I have no commandment of the Lord, yet I give my judgment as one that obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man so to be. Art thou bound unto a wife? Husbands, listen, seek not to be loosed. Stop trying to get out of the marriage. Art thou loose from a wife? Seek not a wife. But if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. But this, <laughs> I love it when I read that. I'm waiting for some man to go, hey, man. And uh, I'm just looking at the center section of who it was. Brother Johnson, was that you that said, okay, all right, I'll throw you under the bus, brother. And uh, so, so, but and if thou marry, look at verse 29. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possess not, and they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. Look at verse 32. But I would have you without carefulness, he that is unmarried, cared for the things that belongeth to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married, cares for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. There's a difference also between 
a wife and a virgin, verse 34, the unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy, both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I speak to your own prophet, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. But if any man think that he behaveth himself uncomely toward his virgin, if she pass the flower of her age, and need so require, let him do uh, let him do what he will. He sinneth not, let them marry. Nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but hath power over his own will, and hath so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin, doeth well. So then, he that giveth her in marriage doeth well, but he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to marry to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. But she is happier if she so abide after my judgment, and I think also that I have the Spirit of God. Miss Kelly, if you'll come. The Bible is very clear that as married people, that the moment that Miss Kelly and I went from being single to being married, and uh, to be honest with you, when, you like my shoes? Aren't you glad to be seen with me with these shoes? And, um, oh yeah, and uh, when, when, <laughs> get over here, when, when we were single, but the Bible tells us that the moment, we're married now, but the Bible tells us that at the moment we got married, so if you'll face that way and I'll face this way, but the moment we were married, then we now, our total focus is how do I please her and how does she please me? Look at the, look at the text. It's very important here in verse number 32. But I would have you without careful. He that is unmarried care for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married care for the things of the what, please? World, how he may please his. You see, when I got married, then all of a sudden, I have to arrange my world of what pleases her. That means I am to make sure that she has a house to live in. I am to make sure that she is taken care of. So now I no longer arrange my world of what pleases me. The day you get married is the day you push pause and what pleases her. I appreciate our children's pastor and his dear wife, uh, brother and Miss Metters, but at the marriage makeover, um, um, Mrs. Metters was kind of anxious to get home because they have a child at their house, and it's a little bitty golden doodle. And uh, listen to me, the look on Ethan Metters' face was this, I would not buy a dog. But you know what he did? He's a good husband. And that little puppy pleased his wife, and it's like, husbands, how many would say amen to this? We have done a hundred things for our wife to please her that we would not do on our own. Be a man and say amen right now. <laughs> Why? Because all of a sudden, I, I, I want you to be pleased. Because there, there's that Proverbs chapter, chapter 38, I think it is, verse number one that says, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And I love it when guys are like, I'm going to rule my house when I get married. It didn't work with your mama, and it's not going to work with your wife. So understand, so you arrange this word, but you do it because I want you pleased. So I am arranging this world. I, I, I am doing my best to take care of. And husbands, if somebody ever says, 
you're henpecked. That's a good place to be if you're pleasing your wife. I, I, I just put it on hold, and, and guys, we're trying to please. So now let's look, if you don't mind, ladies. Look what it says in verse 33. But he that is married, care for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares for the things of the Lord that she may, uh, how she, things of the Lord that she may be holy in body and spirit. But she that is married cares for the things of the world, how she may please her what? Husband. So marriage is based on this. Marriage is based on we were single at one point. And then when we got married, all of a sudden, I'm living my world to please her. She's living her world to please me. And sometimes I'm very hard to please. Don't answer that. Sometimes the house can be spot. Never. That somehow the, I'm feeling good today. That somehow, sometimes the house can be spotless. She can work all day. And when I come in the house, it's like, hey, how come, when are we going to get to that cobweb that's outside on the back 40 right back there? You didn't see that? And sometimes it's like, yeah, like, seriously, Bob? So understand, I'm arranging my world to please her. She's arranging her world to please me. That's because we're married. We're one flesh. She now is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Did y'all hear that? But there was a day when we both were unmarried. You see, there was a day when we didn't have a spouse. That There was this day. And 36 years ago, this is how we lived. And then one day we decided we want to get married. Watch this. And then we now are trying to please each other. So if you'll look at the text here real quick, now let's talk about, thank you, sweetheart, I'm going to let you have a seat. Now let's talk about the unmarried. Can we do that? So look what it says here. Now remember, look at verse 32, but I would have you without carefulness, he that is unmarried. All the unmarried people read this together out loud. He that is unmarried, ready, begin, careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the what? When you're not married, if you don't have a spouse and you are unmarried, it doesn't make you second class. It doesn't mean any of that. But unmarried people, listen to this. Your pleasing is not to another person that you're interested in. Your pleasing is to the Lord. And we live in a day and time that the closer people get and the more labels they put on this relationship, it's almost like, no, I'm tied in, we belong, I can't say no, I can't stand up for what the Lord wants or I'll lose them. Listen, your focus is not on that girl or that boy, you're unmarried. And until you have a ring on your finger and until you have a marriage license and until you had your first kiss at the altar... Did you hear that? First kiss at the altar. Until you have that first kiss at the altar, check this out. They're not yours. You're not theirs. Nobody belongs to each other. You have no dibs on each other. And you are to please the Lord. Now, I love the fact that your King James Bible uses the word unmarried. He could have used a lot of other terms, but there's only married and there's only what? 
unmarried. So now when you look at the context of this, and please, please, unmarried people, I come to you tonight not because I think you're up to no good, but because you have so much good to do in your life as an unmarried person. And know this, you, you, you have not been done wrong by not being married. And if you are a young person, whether you're grade school, junior high, high school, college age, young adult age, listen, if you are unmarried, if you will do what the Bible says tonight, you will find somebody that also is pleasing the Lord. But if your total focus is on this other person, you don't know. The qualifier in an unmarried person's life is what is your relationship like with the Lord? And it comes out in three things. And unmarried people, I'm going to give you three things of this unmarried life you're living. How are you to live? Well, the Bible is very clear in verse number 34 that there's a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord. In verse number 32, it says, He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. At the end of being unmarried, it does not matter the people around you, how they think about you. It's what would the Lord say about you right now. You know, it's a wonderful thing. We, we are filled with unmarried people. When I knew this was on the docket to preach on this Sunday night about four or five weeks ago, I, I knew, I knew that there would be very interesting conversations that would come. And these conversations have done nothing but confirm that I'm on the right path for tonight because look at the three things that young people, unmarried people, if you will just serve the Lord this way, then you will not regret it again. It's a good thing to get married. It's a wonderful institution that everybody should be committed to once in their life. That was funny. So, 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 uh, <laughs> oh, the humor's not flowing today. You know what I think it is? Time change. You'll get that in about an hour. <laughs> and uh, so, so, uh, that was funny. Y'all, I have worked hard at the jokes for today, but they're just not flowing like I thought they would flow. Um, so, so there are three things. Nobody's against you getting married at all. Nobody is. But marrying the right person with you in the right condition, spiritually, is where you need to be at. There's a lot of people that go to the marriage altar and get married that they're not in the right spiritual condition. You, you may line up socially. You may line up economically. You may line up culturally the families may may be amazing in similarities but if you spiritually are not where you need to be then don't get married if there is no god as the focus in your single life do not get married because whatever you are or you are not spiritually you will weaken or strengthen the mate that you're going to marry. There are three things that you'll find here that this is how unmarried people should live. Have you ever felt like you're on an island all by yourself? Taylor, thank you. Taylor, you and I are on our own island, all right? 
Taylor Bob. All right, here we go. Look what it says there in verse 34. The unmarried woman cared for the things of the Lord. Here we go. Here we go. That she may, talking about the unmarried here, but it's confined to the lady, but also is transferable to the guy, that she may be holy both in, what please? Body. You know how you're supposed to do this? Stay holy in your body. Stay holy in your body. We have lost holiness preaching in the pulpits of America because we are tired of fighting the world. Ladies, declare up front, my body does not belong to any man. My body belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're unmarried. That body right there belongs to me. This body belongs to her. And don't come up and pick my wife up and don't come up and hug my wife and don't come up and, 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 and reach out. No, no, no. You will have to face me. So understand that this is how this works. But you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the weakest argument you'll ever have is, well, 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 that's the kind of church I go to. My mom and dad will kill me. No. Step up and declare it right away to everybody around you. Look at me. This body is off limits. I don't care if you carry the title of boyfriend. I don't care if you carry the title of a fiance. I don't care if you carry the title of friend or we are special friends. This body is off limits. There's nothing wrong with saying you're sitting too close. Can you kind of scoot down? But, but when people start sitting together and people start interacting together, it's almost as if, well, well, I trust them. Girls, newsflash, don't ever trust a guy. Don't ever trust a guy. I thought I'd get it more amens than that. Because it's almost like, no, no, you don't understand. We're on our way to get married. You're not married. And to touch the body of somebody that you are romantically interested in, this is forbidden by the Bible. You have to stay holy. Because go back, if you will, to the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look what he said there. What? Know ye not that your, what please, body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I was telling a Spanish couple Friday, and they were asking me a question in Gainesville, Texas. I told them I was going to be preaching on this tonight. And I said, let me tell you something. Your, your real estate belongs to God. Now, there are a lot of people, I'm, I'm catching the vibes that maybe some of you don't agree with me right now, and I'm okay with that because this is what the Bible says, and you can look at me like a calf looking at a new gate, and I'm not against you, I'm for the Bible, and someone needs to tell the unmarried people that your body was bought on Calvary, and it belongs to God. If you name the name of Christ, your real estate belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And take big purple spray paint and put it around your life, and just go, no trespassing. We were looking at buildings, property yesterday with Brother Yao in Mount Pleasant, and, and we were looking at a piece of land to where we could possibly build a church building. And these trees had these huge purple spray paint around these trees. Do you know what that means? No trespassing. There doesn't have to be a sign. 
Well, I didn't see a sign. You know what the purple paint's for? Rednecks who can't read. (laughs) Our laws made it very plain. You heard about the guy that went in to sign the papers, and he put an X, and then he put a little X up to the corner. They said, what is that? He said, I'm a junior. So anyway, so understand, it's for them rednecks who can't read. And everybody coming along sees that purple paint going, that's a no trespass. Take the purple paint of royalty that you're a child of the king and that the Lord Jesus Christ is your king and your Lord and your savior and step up and declare it. This real estate belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And just tell him, too close, scoot over. Do you know what the the biggest test of somebody who's interested in you? Look at him and say, too close, scoot over. But we have made church a rubbing up against each other cat parlor. And I stand here and preach every, every single service. And the reason you'll find me delaying and looking is because we're too close, y'all. Well, I'm just trying to give her the word. No, you're not. No, you're not. Well, we're just sharing the songbook. No, we're singing praises to Jesus. No, you're not. Now, I'm for you sitting in church, and I'm for you, me fighting to get your time. That's okay. This is what we do. But y'all listen to this. Make no provision for the flesh. Good night. Get you, get you a picture of the biggest biker dude ever with, with, with big old spikes around his neck. Run off a poster size of him. And when you go get a job, Erica Brusky, I just started laughing because I'm thinking about your father and big goat, right? He's already big, but yeah. And Erica, just get a picture of your daddy. And, uh, and then when you go get a job, you just hand it out. Say, this is my father. Get a life size and carry it around with you of Aaron Brusky and just set it down. Say, hey, this, Celeste, when you get a job, get a picture of Dr. Jenkins. Put him right there. Just get all meaned up with a shotgun with the, and just stand there and just go, this is my dad, and he's already killed five guys who touched me, so I think you may want to know this. The reason that we don't have more People who think this way is because they send mixed signals. You're going to find this out about your, your husband after you marry this guy. He doesn't take hints well. How many wives would agree with this? My husband is dumb as a... No, I'm not even looking this way. Miss Zoe, raise it. Huh? You're, you're like, Miss Plantar, I didn't even get it started. How many agree about your husband? I'm all about that right there. We are dumb as a brick. Ladies, don't do this to us. Don't hint, and I would like, I've always wanted, I thought about. You know what he just told us? When you make up your mind about what you really want, I'm game. You get the biggest picture of what you want for your birthday and your anniversary and all of that, and you just taper to the window. Our anniversary, we went out of town and where we were going, I knew where she wanted to go. She's learned. Just tell you straight up, this is where we're going, this is what time we're leaving, this is where we're going to have our hotel at, and you're going to like it and pay for it. And it's like, yes, ma'am, I sure am glad I married you or I wouldn't even know what to do in life. Let me tell you something. The guy you're interested in, he doesn't take hints. 
He needs to know nuclear will go off. You cross that line right there. You touch me, you're going to lose a hand. And when that preacher says, give us your hand in marriage, you're just going to be like this. You're going to lose it because I'm going to chop it off. That's why he said in verse number two, nevertheless to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. The verse above that says, good for a man not to touch a woman. You're unmarried. Be holy in your body. Realize that the day you got saved, that real estate belongs to the Lord. And if you want the truest test on somebody's spirituality, tell them straight up, you're too close. I've seen couples lean in when they're talking like this and they're not married. That's how you can tell they're not married. <laughs> okay, that was funny, people. Help me out. <laughs> Married people don't look that way at each other. (laughs) Hi, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I can unequivocally tell you, y'all ain't married. Married people are like this. They don't even complete the sentences. Praise God for text messages with emojis. You no longer have to communicate. <laughs> you know what that means. And uh, so anyways, so understand that be holy in body. But would you look at the next one? And in what? Spirit. Can, can, can we be honest? Are not we tired of seeing well-put-together unmarried people? That they look great. I'll just tell you that I think moms and dads in churches have done a great job at making sure unmarried people. Now, I feel like I need to stop right here and just put this out here. If you're unmarried and you're mad at me right now, that is very telling on your Christian life. And usually I don't address the reaction of the crowd, but right now I feel like I just need to push back a little bit. I'm not the one with the problem. Okay, I'm not mad at you, but take me off trial. The book said it. I didn't say it. What? No, you're not that your body is the temple. Okay. Then it says be holy in spirit. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty discouraging when you see somebody that, that like, wow, that's a sharp unmarried person. And you walk up and start talking to them, and they're like, yeah, what do you want? Probably a better reaction than what you just gave me (laughs) the lord's good yeah and it's almost like when you open the bible everybody's happy till you open the bible Everybody's enjoying the pre-game show, the tailgating that I call the Baptist tailgating on the back of a pew, amen? Everybody's enjoying the Baptist tailgating, putting Tic Tacs over here and gum out here and everything out here and, 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 and you take this, you drink it, whatever the case. But you let the song start and you let the word of God start about the Savior, it's amazing how this is boring. We're getting ready to have our spiritual renewal coming up. And last year when we had it uh, there, there just south of here by Lufkin, 
we got there and it was kind of short-sighted on our part because I never took into account, for whatever reason, the piano. We're going to sing and it's like, I, I just one of those things is like, man, man, we, we like blew this one. But it was God because the entire room where we met was, was filled with tin. It, it was like a tin walls. And when we started singing a cappella, it was like, oh, this is wonderful. And all of a sudden, with the spiritual renewal, there, there were, were unmarried people I think we had like 50, 60 unmarried people and their spirits started to do this. What good is it if you keep your body holy but your spirit's unholy? Can, can I ask unmarried people, what do you talk about as unmarried people? You see, when you get married, you have a lot to talk about because you have to please each other and that's a whole lot of discussion. But you're unmarried. What do you talk about? If I were to ask the unmarried people that now you have her, you have him, that's fine. But what do you talk about? And, and I think that we live in a day and time that we, are, we have a dearth and a famine of good men who are spiritual, and our women can't find good men, thus there are great single ladies all over this world that once they think they found him, He's unspiritual, he's unholy in his body, he's unholy in his spirit, and when they finally figure this out, it's like, why would I want to marry that? Amen, pastor, why would I want to marry that? And I'm coming to you tonight telling you this, be holy in your body, be holy in your spirit. If your spirit's ticked off, get it right. If your spirit's a little bit jilted, get it right. Because that spirit is what the Holy Spirit works through. You see, you are the candle of the Lord, and the Lord's searching. I, I, every married person, I'm just going to admit on behalf of all of us married people, if your spirit stinks spiritually as an unmarried person, you're going to struggle when you get married. To whatever degree your character is, before the I do drop her about 10, 25 degrees. Everybody goes through it. I've been married 35 years. I was on time before I got married. Ooh, getting the men on my side now. I was an early riser before I got married. But now you have this beautiful creature that it is a complete makeover every morning. And it's like, are you ready yet? I'm about there. And I want to say a hundred times, babe, you got me. Stop it. I'm good. And it's like, but you don't understand and I love this phrase. I never leave the house without putting my face on. And I'm like, I've never understood that. Do you have them lined up in the closet? You open it up and I'm going to put this face on right here. And then I'm going to put this face on. Always remember this. Ladies, listen, the best way you can be unmarried is not to have a husband. The best way you can be unmarried is to tell people as you walk through this life, 
this body's off limits. Young men, unfortunately, you live in a day and time where there are forward ladies out there, off limits, purple, royalty, I belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and then don't let your spirit. Young ladies, listen to this. If you're after him, would you please give him a heads up before he asks you to marry? If you're after him, don't, 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 don't get into this to where you play games in your spirit. No, no, no. Either you love the Lord or you don't love the Lord. It's as simple as that. Well, you know, I just have some issues. Good. Then have the issues with somebody else. Not having issues with me because I'm not spending a lifetime with someone with issues. Fix it. When you're unmarried, be holy both in your body and in your spirit. Then there's one last thing as I come to a close. Look at verse number 35. I love the laughter. Hurts me. Verse 35. And this I speak to your own prophet, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely. Look what he says to the unmarried. That ye may attend upon the Lord without what, please? Distraction. The hardest thing an unmarried person does is keep their eyes focused on the Lord and not get distracted. The thing that kills you is your peripheral vision. When I wore glasses, my vision was confined to here, and I'd have to turn my whole head, you know. The glasses I used to wear in the 80s were teardrop glasses that rested on my cheek, and every time I smiled, it raised my glasses. When I got contacts, the peripheral. Listen, we live in such a wicked world that the devil wants to bring things into your peripheral. Unmarried, serve him without distraction. Serve him without distraction. And when things come into your peripheral and you know something's there, don't look. Don't look. Because if you look, you take your focus off where you're going, and everybody knows that you take your focus off where you're going, you're going to run into something. Lot's wife looked back, turned into a pillar of salt. I love what that kid said. That's nothing. My, my mama looked back and turned into a post. <laughs> and, y'all, I have planned these jokes every step. So, so understand. <laughs> I love when you old people get it. Keep, keep your eyes. If you'll notice here. But for that which is comely, that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, he that findeth a wife findeth a, findeth a good thing. I don't understand the wording of it because I don't think of a wife as a thing, but I'll tell you this, you won't find somebody that you want by seeking someone that you want. You'll find somebody by just saying, this body's off limits my spirit's going to stay good, and I'm going to serve him without distraction. Then what you're going to find out is, if somebody else, somebody else is like, I just, I, I'm going to be holy in body, 
and I'm going to be holy in my spirit, and I'm going to serve him without distraction. These two people, for whatever reason, find each other in the will of God. I'm going to make a statement. Anybody can get married. Anybody can live together. All you have to do is drop your standards. All you have to do is give in on a couple of things. And you can find somebody to get a ring on your finger. But this is not what God's after. God's after the unmarried. Keep your focus on the Lord. And don't give in. Set your standards to biblical standards and don't give in. And those of us that are married, we better cheer on the unmarried. And we better let them know we are proud of you. You keep serving the Lord. I love it when two unmarried people find each other inside of this kind of confines. They both are trying to be holy in body, and they're both trying to be holy in spirit, and they both are serving the Lord without being distracted in life. And then they find each other, and they get married. I've done a lot of weddings in the 35 years of ministry, and, and, and I will tell you that when you do a wedding, it is very obvious very obvious, the spiritual condition of the couple. And there are some times that you look at two couples and you fear for them. But then there are other couples you look at and you think to yourself, as I am standing there, one of the privileges, and I have to be very careful here, one of the privileges is when I stand, I am, this, I am, I am that far, that far from the couple and they're speaking. And while there's some time in the ceremony to where they're holding hands and they're conversing, she's conversing through the veil, he's conversing back and forth. One day I was doing a wedding, and I'm standing, and, and, and I'm doing a wedding, and I'm, I'm, for whatever reason, the light was just right, and it was just right to where I could read the lips of the bride through the veil. And I try not to peek and listen, but I'm like, man, what are y'all talking about? What, what, what are you two talking about? And, and, and I saw the bride mouth to the groom, I can't believe God gave me someone like you. I thought to myself standing here, if everybody would come to the altar with a love for God, this is what it's about. Nobody's going to be perfect in marriage. But I'll tell you what we can be. We can be holy. Holy is not perfection. Holy is a direction. And it's some place we're trying to head to. Unmarried people, make up your mind this body belongs to the Lord. Make up your mind that your spirit is not going to be a dumping ground for negative. If somebody that is interested in you always brings to the table the negative, you're not her husband yet. You're not his wife yet. It is not up to you to champion causes for people that you're interested in. Let them handle their own causes. And when they come to the table and they start griping, you just simply say, we'll resume this date or this interaction after you correct it because I am not a dumping ground for a bad spirit.
We're going to keep a good spirit. Let God do something. The Corinthian church, they were overrun by the darkness of the world. They were overrun. And because they were overrun by the darkness of the world, it started spreading into, and the unmarried were taking a hit. And they were acting like married people with no license to do so. And unmarried people, please, please, continue being a good representative of the God who inhabits you and the God who saved you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.